You're listening to The Female Entrepreneur's Journey, The Good, The Bad, and The Branding with Danielle Clem, the weekly podcast created for fellow entrepreneurs, whether just starting out, established in your business, or simply testing out the waters. We're here to put the real back in entrepreneurial reality. Each episode guides you through the different paths walked and lessons learned by fellow bosses, how they got through it, and tips that got them there sprinkled in with a little business branding and a whole lot of heart. One question is, are you ready to dive in? Here's your host, designer, marketer, and frequent iced coffee drinker, Danielle Clem. Hey guys, today we have on the amazing Sierra Acevedo, who is a lifelong empath and over the years with her skills of observation, compassion, and innate knowing, and with combined her certifications in kundalini yoga, massage therapy, and reiki, and she's actually a master teacher level, and also training to become a certified hypnotherapist. She really helps combine the helping and healing fields together with her strongest drive is to help see people reach self-love and empowerment. So welcome to the podcast, Sierra. Hi, thank you. And for those of you guys who might not know, I have known her for, I think it's been over two years now? Yeah, it's been like two years and a couple months. Man, that's, that's amazing. That, that went fast. Yeah, it really did. It's crazy. Uh, so for those who listen to this, they'll probably hear a lot more conversational tone, even though my rhetoric is already conversational. It'll be a lot more conversational here. Um, she can't help it because I'm a talker. It's 100% true. If you guys probably see the time limit on this or whatever happens, whatever this ends up to be, there's a reason for why it's so long. <laughs> I already <laughs> expect it. <laughs> But for those who don't know, I always love to begin the show with the beginning of your journey and then end with the present and future. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about how you grew up to kind of what led you to wanting to go down this path. Um, absolutely. I grew up um, in Sacramento, California, and some of my very first memories were that like words and emotions had colors to me. So I would walk into a room and if people had been angry or tense, it would have a really strong, like a strong color, um, you know, like red or gray or something. You know, if it was a negative emotion, it would be like a fairly strong, what I would perceive to be like a negative color. Um, people had their own colors. So I guess what I'm describing is like seeing the aura or seeing the energy of, you know, people, emotions, objects. Mm-hmm. And I remember that from probably the time I was like about a year and a half old was one of my first memories. Um, wow. And I met one of my mom's best friends who I'd never met before because we had lived on the East Coast and moved back to the West Coast. And I'd never met this woman. Um, and I just remember seeing this woman who seemed to be just covered in like sparkly gold. You know, she just had that kind of like glitter to her that was really appealing and my mom says I went running across the park you know she hadn't even told me who she was and I just went running right into her arms and was like oh I like I love you I'm so happy and my mom was just kind of blown away that I knew which person to go to you know that I had such a response to her mm-hmm. um and I mean I remember that so strongly you know number one because she's turned out to be a lifelong friend I mean she's not just one of my mom so she's you know, like a second mom to me. Um, and I had no idea that that was unusual for years. You know, it's sort of that thing, like we don't tell kids that water is wet because yes. everybody gets in water. I had no idea that not everybody saw 
colors or experienced emotions that intensely. Um, and then I think the other piece that really sort of changed things for me is my parents got divorced when I was fairly young. So there was a lot of really strong emotion in our house. You know, there's a lot of anger, a lot of grief, a lot of struggle. Um, and it made it really important to me to try to find these little islands of positivity, you know, whether they were people or like just being in the backyard and the garden was always really important to me, even from you know being a really little kid. Um, is this place where there was sort of like a sanctuary, you know, that, 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 that emotion wasn't um, seeping through and coloring everything else. Yeah. So I would say those are some of my earliest memories in terms of how I related to the world. Um, and then when I got older, I just noticed that I seemed to always be aware of what people were feeling even before they were, you know, so if my mom was having a hard day, it wouldn't occur to me to, um, like ask her if she's having a hard day. It's like, oh, I'm going to make dinner instead. You know, I can see mm-hmm. that this is hard for you. What can I do? Um, and, you know, it's easy to think about all the positive sides of it, but there are some negatives also. It's like I had a lot of physical issues growing up. I think, you know, from my understanding now, I was absorbing a lot of energy. I had a lot of stomach aches when I was a kid. You know, had a really hard time being at school or being around large crowds of people. Um and I had no clue that it was anything other than my actual physical body. You know, you don't, yeah. unless, you're, unless you're like given the language for that, um, you just internalize all of it and sort of think that that's your own, that's your own experience. Um, so, the, you know, I feel really fortunate because my mom's phenomenally open-minded. So she always had metaphysical books around the house, you know, astrology, um, like she was okay with tarot decks, you know, she took us to, to see psychics if, if like if we went by a psychic fair. So there was an open-mindedness to all of this. Um, and that was probably a good, like a significant um, reason that I, that I never fully shut down. You know, I've met a lot of people who are deeply intuitive and they feel like they lost it for a while. You know, like they had to go through a period of shutdown before they could reopen to this again as an adult um and I feel lucky that I never I never went through that um so you know by the time I was a teenager I already was really curious about what made people tick because I could see their feelings and when their behavior didn't match their feelings it didn't make sense to me Mm. So I loved things like Myers-Briggs tests, personality assessments, you know, study of psychology. We all Uh, love a good quiz. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So I was into anything that gave me information, you know, not just about myself, but about other people. I would make my whole family take it to try to understand them a little bit better. Um, And then when I was, I think I was 16, I went to school, um, like to training to become a massage therapist. And that was where I would say, like, the more interesting or complex, you know, energy work began to came, like, began to come in. Uh, I was really fortunate. My teacher was, once again, extremely Mm -hmm. open-minded. And so when I would massage people, I would get information. I would see or feel something that I knew didn't belong to me. It was completely irrelevant to my life. Uh, and as I got more and more comfortable just sort of telling people what I saw, 
you know, it turned out to be right more often than not. So it was really validating. And that was, that was when I really began to think that maybe, you know, being in this, I don't even like the word psychic, but I don't know another word to use, but being in this like intu- intuitive or psychic, you know, realm wasn't totally far-fetched. Yeah. Um, wasn't all make-believe. And uh, in all honesty, I lost interest for a few years when I went to school. Um, like when I went away to college, it seemed I was busy. I was taking my yoga teacher training, you know, falling in love, <laughs> the normal things, going to school, right? Like all that stuff. And it was like, that's interesting, but it's not my focus. Um, and it was really after I had my daughter that uh, that urge to practice got louder and louder again. Um, and so, you know, approaching it again as an adult was a really different different dynamic, different experience. I had different life experience. Yeah. I like that you mentioned that too, because I, I think you might have, I mean, for those who don't know, you also were a teacher at an actual school uh, before you went into this. And I think it's really interesting for those, even in the concept of, for like business, say you have an idea and some people, even myself who are hard headed, we sometimes don't take the idea at face value and we won't we'll push it away for a a while or two until it finally comes back and you realize you have to go forward with it. And I wonder if that's similar to kind of how you had to go down this path of doing the, the normal things of falling in love, having children until you're able to finally go into it with a new set of eyes. 100%. I never saw being intuitive as, uh, as a business. I never saw it as something that would support me. Mm -hmm. Um, it seemed way too fringy. I had a lot of judgment about it. Um, you know, in terms of being able to make money, it seemed like that's a great skill to have, but it's uh, something you'll do on, you know, like weekends or a couple times a year. Yeah. Like you're never going to have a full-time job or a full-time career or a full-time passion pursuing this. So I definitely let that more typical traditional thinking, which is like, it's great to have a rake. And you know what? There's a part of me that's still, I'm not sad about how I went about it. Um, but it was great to have direct deposit and um, benefits and <laughs> yeah. schedule. Like that stuff was fantastic, especially I was a single mom and my daughter was really young. Yeah. Um, when I see the energy that it takes to create a business, I'm not sure that I would have been a good mom. You know, it sort of felt like an either or. Yeah. I'm not sure that I would have been a good mom had I been also tending a baby business. Yes. Um, so it seems like all things happen in really good timing, but you're totally correct in that the idea wouldn't leave me alone. You know, I was constantly at like, a, we have these fairs called Second Saturday. I was at those doing readings or I had friends who would call me and I would do, you know, work with them. Um and it would never go away entirely. Well, I think the great thing is what what you do too. I mean, it's never, even when I met you, it was never pushed or forced. I think sometimes people who are going into a new venture, whether it's something that they've had in their uh, years of lifetime experience or whatnot, that it can be very difficult to go into it and not be like putting your full gusto into it and say, I'm going to make this work and make it happen. And then that force can actually lead to worse. For you, I think it was really because you have that time, make it more of a natural flow. And obviously there will always be some type of like obstacles in the way. But I think that you said like the timing really did help the, the in-between of it. 
Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, it was fantastic. I had met my husband. He was extraordinarily supportive. Um, and I think about that sometimes, how you meet someone and they are a particular way. You know, I made a certain amount of money. I had a particular schedule. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I want to clear the slate and <laughs> do something totally different. And he said, that's great. I'm going to hold space for you to do that. That's um, so amazing. It was phenomenal. Like, I really look at him with a lot of admiration because that took a lot of courage on his part. You know, it's like, I don't know how. I, neither one of us knew if it was going to work or it, where it was going to go. Um, and he continues to be, like, such a huge support. And I honestly, I mean, it doesn't have to be your husband or your partner, but I don't honestly know how one would have a business without at least one person cheerleading them. You know, so if there's something that you can have is like someone else who believes in you is that has been um, probably what's kept me motivated (laughs) in the moments when I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, we'll figure it out because I believe in you. I'm all right. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a a really great thing to touch on, too, because like you said, I, I thoroughly believe the same is that if you try and go into beginning a business, especially something that you've never done before, as most of us haven't, it's so easy to kind of get lost in it or feel overwhelmed and you don't have the support behind you and I wonder when you made this transition into like finally starting back up and really going for this type of work again what did you have any type of external struggles with I mean most of your family was pretty open like your your mother and your husband but was there any type of um I guess resistance in the sense of from other people or even from yourself other any type of limiting beliefs or mindset shifts you had to make? Um, 100%. I didn't hear about it from other people. I know that there had to have been talk about it. You know, I went from being like this very grounded, kind of like 15 years in the classroom teacher to let me remove your beliefs by waving my hands around. Um, <laughs> yes. and, and so I knew that people talked, but I also didn't really care. Um, and I say that with all sincerity. Um, I genuinely didn't care what other people were saying. What was the most challenging um, was addressing, I guess, I don't know if it's self-confidence or like you said, just these limiting beliefs. I sort of had this idea that I wouldn't be good at it unless I went, um, I guess what you think of like media portrayal, yeah. almost like, you know, hoop earrings and like a turban and you know, crystal ball. I'm like, I'm going to tell you more about. Um, and so having to become more confident with the fact that it's just me, I wear jeans, you know, when I'm working with people. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, you there, I've never seen you once come in like with an all white dress or like, you know, anything in that respect, just because that's not you. And I think that thankfully, you at least honor yourself enough to know that you don't have to put on those type of things. If it's not fitting who you are, you can still do your work. It doesn't devalue who you are. Well, that was honestly some of the challenge was like, if I'm not playing the role, am I honestly, uh, you know, good at the part. And that was that like having to grow through that and be like, you know what, how I show up is exactly how I need to. Um, and then more than anything, I was seeing the results of the work that I was doing with people. Um, that convinced me to keep moving forward. You know, people would have these profound experiences and I would feel like, whoa, I got to witness that. Um, (laughs) That was really cool. Uh, I know that I probably had a part of that, but it never felt like I was in charge of it or like I was doing something 
to them or for them. It was always working with them. And I always just felt so lucky. And I still do. You know, I'm still in awe when something shifts for somebody and they're able to have some more peace or some more freedom. Um, I think it's mind boggling. I mean, it's amazing even to me when I first met you and when we first worked together, I think one of the best things that you ever said was that you were the middleman. You didn't try to become, or you didn't try and say that you were like the guru or like the expert. It's coming. It's who you, like you channel through it. You just allow what comes through and it is what it is rather than try and, um, say that you are the one and only or something something to that extent to where people try and say it's only themselves who can do it I think you allow for more of a, a realistic standpoint like an actual person um can hear this and hear the things you say and for the most part they won't probably run away yeah and I mean honestly thank you for saying that because mm-hmm. It, it really does feel most important to me when I'm working with someone that they know that they are the reason for the change. You know, the fact yes. that they got themselves there, the fact that they're willing to, that's the reason change is happening. Maybe I can bring a bigger flashlight for the dark corners. You know, like that's, that's what I can help you with. I can be your friend when it gets really dark, but they wouldn't be doing this without the willingness. You know, the changes wouldn't be happening without their willingness. So I just have for my clients, I'm like, wow you are all really brave. Um, and I, I love that. I love that I get to be invited to participate with them. This brings up actually a really great um, stance was a lot of people, well, especially in this, in the field that you are in, they always talk about the certain types of things that people should be doing if they want to have a life or have a whatever, develop their skills, whatever it might be, you know, meditation, affirmation, all those kind of things. And for those who are listening to this, they probably have at some point tried to do meditation, affirmations, that kind of thing. And I think it'd be really interesting for them to hear what is your normal routine or lack there of routine for the mornings? I'm so glad that you said lack. (laughs) No, what's my routine? Um, So I'm probably like most of you people out there in that like I'm married, I have three teenagers, I have a lot of animals. Um, I have carpool and errands and then I'm trying to run my own business on top of that um my routine is that I wake up probably around like 5 30 and I spend about two minutes writing down whatever thoughts come to my head you know because that transitioning from sleep state I find is really valuable and sometimes those thoughts are ridiculous it's like don't forget to buy beets and I'm like great (laughs) good to know that that was my download for the day um And then my only affirmation is that I ask to be only in the presence of energy that's for my highest healing and my greatest good, Um, you know, that I'm grounded, censored, and aligned with spirit for the day. And it takes me probably about 15 seconds to say that in the shower. Um, Yeah. And what I suggest to people is like, you know, it's easy to get addicted to bad habits. It's almost as easy to get addicted to good ones as long as you build them into your day. So the shower is now my trigger for affirmation you know I had to like put a visual reminder and now I just say it yeah and once I've said that affirmation like my day is set up for me and I trust that only energy that's you know only energy and experiences that I'm meant to have I'm gonna have um I can be really peaceful even when things aren't going well you know I'm not saying that I'm always gracious but (laughs) yeah (laughs) don't take things personally it's not like oh my gosh why is this happening to me it's like what is there to learn from this 
okay, you know, how can I do that differently? Okay. It's all feedback. You know, we're just living in a great big experiment, kind of. It's Well, yeah, it's beautiful that you mentioned that, too, because that's one of the reasons why I asked you about the routine is a lot of people, including myself, when you're in this business or even just self uh, development self or self improvement stage, it can be really easy to think that you have to do all these things in the morning when you have 5,000 other responsibilities that are actually calling you like kids or um, errands that you have to do versus being able to sit and meditate for two hours or being able to do like a routine for, for that long. So it's great for those to hear, you know, whatever you can do is whatever you can do. And that's really what matters. Well, and really my rule is that I don't accept feedback that's going to make me feel worse about myself. Um, and I don't mean like I have my my head in a hole in the sand and I don't take constructive criticism. But if someone's going to tell me the only way I'm going to feel better is if I only eat, you know, <laughs> like if I'm vegan all the time and I do breath work for two hours a day and I meditate for four <laughs> yes. hours a day. And any day that I don't do that, I feel shame or guilt or disappointment in myself um, for not meeting realistic standards or, you know, yeah, unrealistic standards, I guess is what I mean. Um there's no reason for me to set myself up for failure. Yes. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I get kind of frustrated when people will share advice that you have to um, like ground yourself in a certain way or that you have to meditate in a certain way or that you have to whatever, you know, whatever they're trying to convince you about. Um, I think most people just need a few seconds to remind themselves to show up for life. And whatever that is for you, if that's an affirmation, if that's closing your eyes and visualizing for two or three minutes, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. And I think this is actually a really good note for really any person is, including myself, because I think we all forget sometimes we'll read a new book or we'll hear a new person who's ha who's an expert in X, Y, or Z and say that you, you know, the like you said, the best way to become this person is to do this. And in reality, it's not always the case. I mean, usually never is the case of the same exact thing. So I'm happy you mentioned that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that my way is the right way for people either, but it's really find something that you're willing to do happily on a regular basis, and then you're actually going to do it. Exactly. That's how I feel about morning walks. Those have been like a lifesaver for me. Mm hmm. And it's, it probably only became a lifesaver once it was something that you stopped trying to do and we're like, oh, I get benefit out of this. So I'm going to keep it up. Oh, it's 100 percent true. I mean, even as you know, with owning your own business, there's very little time where some where you don't think about just something that you either have to do or you need to do tomorrow. So for me, morning <laughs> walks, I think, are the one time where I actually just like shut off and put on a podcast or audiobook and just relax or relax and walk for 10 minutes or so. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. It's that's sort of how I feel when I have my notebook out in the morning, you know, I'm just jotting down like those morning thoughts. Mm -hmm. They're not about anything. They're not a to do list. They're not a, you know, oh, shoot, I should have gotten this done list. They're just like, be present with yourself for a little while. Um, and absolutely, I mean, deciding to own your own business is, is kind of foolhardy and gutsy at the same time, you know, no matter how great your plan is, it's going to go sideways at some point. And so it's really hard to not be um, kind of consumed, yeah. you know. And uh, I would have to say it was probably about three years in that I learned how to give myself office hours. 
you know, before that I would answer emails or texts whenever they came in. I would be doing social media any time of day or night. And then I'd be letting way more details slip by because there was no routine. You know, it's like if you're on all the time, then you're not really at your best. Yeah, Um, I think I remember you mentioning, it must have been a year or so ago, like you had, I think you said probably 100 or more texts at one point. And that alone gives me anxiety, (laughs) but the amount that people were in touch with you was, I mean, it was a good amount of people. So I I even remember that you had a hard time with that. And I think it's really amazing when it was around that time as well, you finally took Mondays to do your organization and kind of just prep and social media stuff. And I think, I mean, I'm not sure if that's still happening for you now, but from what it sounded like, it helped you out a good amount then. It did help out quite a bit. I have to do it a little bit differently now because, you know, change in location, change in focus. um, So things are structured a little bit differently. But now I take the hour between 9 and 10 just to review all of my texts and emails and messages and make sure that I haven't missed anything and, you know, double check that my posts are lined up for the day or the week. Um, And I... I'm the first person to admit that I have weeks when I slip. Um, And the other thing, you know, that I really have to consider is where is my most, um, like what is of highest value. And so for me, that's the work that I do in person with people. Um, So I have to protect sort of my availability and my ability to show up for people in person. Um, And then these other, these other, business aspects as much as they're important I sort of have to prioritize client (laughs) downwardly like what can I let go of if it's a really hectic time and I have learned more about self-forgiveness and self-acceptance I mean you know my flaws are really highlighted because it's only me working for me so there's really no one to pass the buck to when something doesn't get done um And it's interesting. It's just sort of interesting to sit there and say, like, okay, what is my core value? What is the most important thing that I'm offering? How do I support that first? And then how do I try to create routine so the rest of this is, you know, kind of runs like a machine, but it's it's not going to go off the rails if I drop a detail or two. Yeah. And um, that's, I would say, like, that's an ongoing, um, there's ongoing refinement there. I would love to say, here's my system and here's how it works. And I'd yeah. love to <laughs> For those who know you, that's, that's not, no. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it goes. I am so excited to get to the point where I can hire like an assistant. Like That's my goal. I could see you with the VA. It'll be really interesting to see how that goes with you having an assistant. <laughs> right. Yeah, that requires knowing what needs to get done and then delegating, which is another skill that I'll be learning. You'll get uh, there for sure. I totally will, but it's just another growth process. Oh, 100%. Uh-huh. I think this actually is a really great transition, too, to see. I'll, I ask this to really every guest because everyone's answer is either similar or rather different, but I think it's great for everyone to hear is obviously you've been in business for a couple of years. What is the top one or two things that you would tell yourself just starting out? That's a really great question. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first thing that just comes to mind is, like, talk to everybody. Network more and do it shamelessly. 
I had this idea when I first started out that I needed to be good at business already. So I didn't ask for help for maybe like the first year and a half or two, almost like I would be embarrassed if I, if people saw how much I had to learn. Yeah. Um, and so the first piece of advice would just be like, just everyone you meet, <laughs> like, this is what I'm doing. What do you know about this? <laughs> what advice do you have? Um, so I guess just being more, more open about needing advice and being more open to that advice when it's offered. I'm not saying take it without, you know, without running it through your own <laughs> filter and, and inner wisdom. But yeah. um, I definitely had a little bit of fear, um, ego and fear about showing people how totally unprepared I was. Uh, and then the second piece that I would, you know, if I could say this to myself is like, the odds are stacked for you being successful yeah. if you have an open mind and a passion for what you're doing because your business is going to change as you learn more and more, you know, so don't be attached to what you thought it was going to look like. When I first started working, I was working out of, um, my husband and I shared an office. There were three desks, a file cabinet, and like four computers in that room. And I would throw up my massage table in the back. Um, and I was like, I'm charging people for this. This is like, like this is so, you know, <laughs> like this is so inappropriate. And, um, but it worked and people were coming and my weekends were full. You know, this was before I had quit my job, like my full-time job. And I was doing both at the same time. Um, so I guess it's just like, don't, don't have attachment, like let it grow. Let there be some room for how it's, you know, your business as an entity, let it show up the way that it needs to. Um, because now I find myself in this really fascinating place where at least a third of my clients are from all over the country and, you know, different parts of the world. So I'm not even in my office. You know, I can be sitting anywhere um, doing distance work. And part of that was just like I didn't have attachment to how I needed to show up for them. You know, I didn't believe that they had to be there in person. I didn't believe that I had to have this perfect setup. And it allowed me the freedom and the flexibility to see what, um, like, what I was really capable of. Yeah, I, I can't believe how much I like wholeheartedly agree with both of those statements, but especially the networking because I think it's one of those unsung heroes that we don't really people mention it. They say go to conferences, go to workshops, you know, talk to people. But there is a huge value, huge value when it comes to actually partnering with people or collaborating like you said ask for their advice I, I could 100% say the first the first six months of my business I only was doing online courses and that kind of things which is great for your learning but barely any connections or networking and in the last couple of months I've really tried to change that and rework that and I, I can definitely say that whether I've gotten more clients or even just had a better sense of um, feeling good about what I do because I have people around me who are a little bit farther ahead who I can actually talk to about it is a lot more valuable to me than taking five other courses. Yeah. And talking to people in person, it makes you see the holes in what you're doing much more clearly. Mm -hmm. You know, like it just becomes much more apparent if you can't describe what exactly your mission is or what exactly your services are. You know, it's, you're not talking to avoid you're talking with this person or with this group of people and you're like oh that is instant feedback thank you yeah um and it's it's fantastic 
And I completely agree with you that it's definitely ups the learning curve and really enriches it. Yeah, I think even nowadays in online business, it still should be one of the biggest priorities for those who are starting out because you still can't beat it. Even in 2018, when there's technology literally everywhere, you still can't beat personal interaction being by a long shot. 100%. You know, and it's really important to remember that that's where, um, like, so much, like I said, just, like, feedback and transformation comes from. You know, the first two years that I was in this business, I only had uh, word-of-mouth referrals. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have, like, I had no social media, um, you know, email people. And, like, I had a kind of a mini newsletter, if we can even call it that. It was, it was, it was not pretty. Um, (laughs) But it was all word of mouth. And it was all because people felt, you know, they felt that involved and that invested in, like, what their own experience had been. And they were willing to share it. And that, um that's huge it is I, th- I think also it helps that you finally um I don't want to say gave in but you finally allowed yourself to do what you ne- wanted and needed to do at the same time or even didn't want to do but you know that you were meant to and I think finally once you opened that door it allowed for after a while natural people to come in because I found you think through a fair and then oddly enough it was just a day I was driving down one of the streets in Sacramento I check one of the places I've never seen before and you're one of the readers so it's really kismet how that happens well and it's funny because in five years that's the second fair I've ever done in my life I don't like fairs that's hilarious uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it was absolutely uh, yeah guided <laughs> that we were led right there yeah, that was the first, I think, first and only fair. Maybe I went to one more, but that was the first fair I ever went to. They're pretty terrible. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I had my headphones in the whole time until I met you. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the people they work for, I'm so glad that it works for them. It's not my get down. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think especially where, when I first met you, we were next to the, what was it, singing bowls? I, it was something terrible. Yeah, the sound was just really rough. So Yeah, and I mean I love a good singing bowl, but that was like piercing and it was relentless. Yeah, they didn't stop. It was five minutes straight and same thing. <laughs> sound bowls the singing bowls are great, but oh my god, when you have like five of them going and they're at their like loudest, it's not great. No, it was not pretty. Well, I, I think agree. this is a good place to say too, is for those who might not know, I mean you I mean, as I said before, you have so many things that you can offer people. Um, what are you planning on doing with your business in the next year or two? Like any current workings that you're on that you can give the audience a little taste on what they can look out for? Well, so here's what's banana pancakes, because like I said, I have a plan. God laughs and changes it just a little bit. Yep. Um, I currently have like the Reiki, the intuitive, the hypnotherapy offerings, um, and those are those are going really well. Um, I really love doing classes and workshops. So I'm going to continue with the Reiki trainings. And then um, with the hypnotherapy, I'm starting to do group hypnotherapy sessions. Um, I have a workshop scheduled in Hawaii coming up, which is helping a group of artists who have been experiencing some creative blocks. We're going to wow. do a weekend long hypnotherapy around creativity to help them 
you know, move through like those writers, like not writers, but like those creative blocks. And so we're talking artists of all different kinds, you know, every medium. Um, I'm really excited about that. And then out of kind of left field, I've always talked to my animals, um, you know, and they, we have conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really lucky. I've started to work with horses lately um, with pretty, I have to say, like, I'm surprised, I'm surprised by the results. So, so I'm not trying to say the amazing results. Like I'm amazing. I'm equally surprised by the results. So I have a couple of big, um, horse expos where I'm going to be doing some horse energy work. Um, That's awesome. Like demonstrations. And then I get to travel, um, Santa Barbara and then like Santa Clarita. They have a couple horse communities who have asked me to come do workshops there. Look at you go. It's really crazy because who knew horses? I keep saying like my inner six-year-old would be doing cartwheels if she knew that I was going to like grow up <laughs> and play with horses. She's like, are you kidding? You're the best. Um, so I'm just balancing the animals and the people right now. I cannot wait to see. Well, I know the horses thing is going to be great because you love them, but I really can't wait to hear more about the Hawaii because that is really interesting. Well, and my next workshop in town is hypnotherapy for um, first responders with PTSD. Oh. Um, just culturally, like culturally right now, there's a huge amount of pressure on, you know, like police officers. Yeah. And I don't fall, I don't think, on one side of the fence or the other. I'm not trying to say they're all bad or they're all good. I think the institution is really unhealthy. Yeah. Um, And so, but what I do know is that as individuals, a lot of these individuals were called because they felt like that was their way to be in a helping profession. Um, And they have some really toxic energy attached to them. You know, like this PTSD, some of the things that they've had to see or deal with. And how can you possibly approach a situation with fresh and compassionate eyes, if you are carrying toxic energy, you know, I, I think it would be impossible. So my next, yeah, my next in-town workshop is with some officers of the law to help kind of reset, reset their behaviors and their expectations around their work and what it means to them. I truly cannot wait to like hear any of these workshops They're They sound so interesting. For those who don't know, I, I mean, I've met you and obviously you've done workshops and stuff like that for like just for Reiki and those kind of things, but you're really expanding into things that you actually want to do. And I think that that's really beautiful to see. It's exciting. It's, these are things that probably a couple of years ago seemed like a dream. Yeah. You know, like, wouldn't it be amazing if I could do that? Um, and I'm not entirely sure how they're happening. You know, I'm a big, big fan of believing that um, if you really want something, not even going after it like a crazy, you know, like rabid dog crazy, but just don't stop believing that it's going to occur at some point. Um, and I try not to give myself timelines because yeah. then I'll get discouraged. I'm like, that'll happen someday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that'll happen. Like that thought came into my mind because it's meant to happen. And so here we are two years later. I love that. Some of it's happening. <laughs> and it'll just keep going, honestly. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, me either. <laughs> Although hopefully next time I'm not like going to be talking to, you know, the giant squid. That'd be a little too far for me. Just a tad. A little bit. Yeah. But for, for those who don't know, 
uh, give them a little bit of notice on where they can find you because I know that you recently moved websites and such. Oh, yeah, I am still at www.spodva.com. Um, and that's honestly the best place. And you guys, if you have a chance, whether you're in town or not in town, please schedule a session with her because she is amazing, truly. Yeah, there's distance sessions. Like, distance sessions are just as good. We can do Skype, FaceTime, phone. Um, and then I really encourage you, too. I offer consultations. So if you just need to call and find out a little bit more about what a session actually looks like, because I know we didn't cover that much, feel free. I am obviously more than happy to talk about it, as you can tell. Yes, and I mean... With everything you offer, I highly suggest anyone can find something that you offer would be of value to them. Well, thank you. That's kind of fun to hear. Thank you. Thank you for being on this podcast. I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time out. Well, thanks for podcasting. <laughs> we can just keep going back and forth. This is great. I know. I Well, at one point, we actually have, have to stop the podcast so that people can listen to this at some point. Okay. Let's stop the podcast. Okay. So uh, one more time. <laughs> thank you for being here. <laughs> and Thank I will me. <laughs> talk to you guys later <laughs> bye thanks for listening to the female entrepreneur's journey with Danielle Clem if you like our show and want to know more check out the show notes to join in the insiders Facebook group or please leave us a review on iTunes join us next week for another dose of business branding and everything in between see you then